Scene 6. Ghoul Busters. Shentlepiece City on Tuscarora Mountain. Tuesday, Nones. Afternoon, 4th of July, 1284. 3rd of St. Swithin. Still, the majority of ghouls remain firm in their pledges of service to the fallen High Inquisitor. Not in the slightest intimidated at having part of his army of ghouls defect, the High Inquisitor claps sarcastically and laughs with scorn. Oh, very clever, very clever indeed. You know choosing evil was a hard decision at first, but what I love most about being wicked is that I always get to win. With that, he blows a stream of black flame at the knight's paladin, staggering them all back and freezing the breath from their lungs until they are gasping for air. The hospitaller, commander-elect Radisson, gets enraged at his insolence, and charging in with a spear, surges forward for a personal attack against the High Inquisitor. The elect Radisson jams his spear clear through the breastplate of Laban. With mocking derision, the cardinal exclaims, Oh, look at that! I've been impaled! The High Inquisitor pulls the spear out of his chest and slaps Brother Radisson on the head with the spear's handle so hard it knocks him out cold. As the elect Radisson sleeps soundly on the platform floor, the High Inquisitor taunts them. Remember when I said I'm even more powerful than the Heresiarch and nobody believed me? The breastplate of Laban does more than stop pointy sticks. Watch and weep. The whole earth trembles and shakes as the High Inquisitor stretches out his arms. From near and far, the hacked limbs and chunks of ribs and slabs of raw meat and shattered skulls from all the dead animals and clayborn on the battlefields on high and down below recombine into one huge, hideous collection of rotting flesh and bone, encasing him like armor. So much carnage from the death and destruction of the last two days clings to his body and the padding around him that he grows five feet all around. With the cadaverous armor, the High Inquisitor transforms into an undead Titanagool, fifteen feet tall. What is that? asks Xena. Clark comments, It's heinous. It looks like he's covered himself in a million watermelons. Lewis asks, How does he stay puffed up like that? The body parts should just cave in on themselves, shouldn't they? Johnny Appleseed says, if I remember the lore of Laban correctly, the breastplate of Laban weaves together carnage to form an undead suit of armor. The stay-puffed watermelon white belches out black flame from its muzzle, instantly freezing all the holy warriors within range. The survivors charge with selfless courage. This time around, the knight's paladin have met their match. Its huge arms swipe at them with sharp, bony claws, dismembering them instantly. Although their weapons gouge large holes in its meat-bone armor, its dismembered victims are sucked back into the gaps, filling them up and boosting its strength. Florence draws the sword of Laban and asks Dungaree Jean, Can we defeat this stay-puffed watermelon white with this? Dungaree Jean consults with Johnny Appleseed and then replies in Eldrick. He says it's too dangerous. If those streams of black flame from the breastplate of Laban hit the stream from the sword of Laban, you would be instantly killed, and it might rain black flame over the entire span of Shentlepiece City. But would it kill the Cardinal too? Dungaree Jean repeats Florence's question in English, and Johnny Appleseed replies, you bet your bottom dollar it'd kill him, but the sun won't come out over Tuscarora Mountain for a long time.
Although the dwarf hammerhead bolts pummel the behemoth white with each volley, it crashes into them with a horrid stomp, crushing even the finest armored dwarves with the sheer weight of corpses. The knights hospitaller clamber forward on the icy floorboards, half of them slipping and skidding on the ground before they even attack. The stay-puffed watermelon white spits a long stream of black flame and freezes one after another. Then it steps on the frozen hospitallers, shattering them like icicles crashing down from broken shingles, and it adds their remains to its abominable hide. Florence weighs the options and comes to the only possible conclusion. So many lives lost. We have to cross the streams. And Ganyan butts in. Wait, Reverend Appleseed just said that crossing the streams is bad. That would be suicide. With a swat of its arm, the Mega White knocks over the aqueduct spout and splashes the water in every direction. It then ignites the growing puddle with its black flame breath. As the aqueduct pours more water into Thor's base, the flames rise higher and the chill bites deeper into the bones of the living. With a burst of bulbous laughter, the stay-puffed watermelon white heaves its belly back as it watches Thor's base ice over. Florence announces without taking her eyes off her adversary. The evil cardinal is unstoppable. It's the only chance the Tuscarora elves have to survive this. And Ganyan thinks it over for a second, and suddenly grows very supportive. You know what? I love this plan. I'm excited about this plan. Where do you get these amazing ideas? Florence hoists the sword of Laban over her head and cries out, By the power of Laban, I have the power! Johnny Appleseed waves his arms and calls to her in English. Dungaree Jean translates, he says the only way to destroy the cardinal is if he blows his stream of black flame directly into the stream from the sword of Laban. If the cardinal kills you any other way, you will have given your life for nothing. The stay-puffed watermelon white continues to trash Thor's base by freezing the outdoor amphitheater with streams of black flame. Florence charges in with the sword of Laban flaming, but the stay-puffed watermelon white swats her with a backhand and knocks her senseless into the gazebo cafe's garden. Lewis and Clark see her go sprawling. Aware of what's at stake, Lewis takes up the sword, but he doesn't know how to make it go flaming. He shouts over to Johnny Appleseed. How do I get it to work? Johnny Appleseed tells him the formulaic words, and Lewis repeats them carefully. By the power of Laban, I have the power. The sword kicks up a puny black flame that soon peters out. Lewis tries it again and again with the shaky fingers of a chain smoker who cannot get a lighter on long enough to keep up his streak. As the stay-puffed watermelon white rampages on, it grabs a vegetable stand and hurls frozen tomatoes at the rangers. Lewis loses patience and lets out a lion's roar as he charges forth. In his rage, the paltry black flame of Laban suddenly leaps out and hits a new high with its ferocity. The stay-puffed watermelon white belches out black flame across Thor's base, and Lewis swings the sword to cross the streams. Right before contact, Lewis steps on a slick patch of ice and his feet go flying up in the air. With a nasty boink, the back of his head rebounds off the ground twice before settling and the sword of Laban goes skidding off in another direction. And Ganyan figures that Lewis's plan B is not going as well as hoped. He cradles Florence in his arms and slaps her cheeks gently. Come on, baby, wake up. Don't leave us yet. She blinks a few times, then turns to Ganyan with a weak voice. Yes. You're right. I started this mess. I have to finish it. Before I go, I just want to know if you truly love me, Monsieur Nganyan. 
and Ganyan stutters. I'd enjoy kissing you. I mean, I'd like to. Is that love? Wait, what? Dungaree Jean says. Love is putting someone else's needs before yours. Link's charged into the maw of the Wavern to keep it away from senior officer on a shelf. Link's never had romantic feelings for her, but he loved her enough to lay down his life for her. And Ganyan sneaks over and picks up the sword of Laban. He shivers violently from the cold, then drops it. Wrapping his hat around his hand, he picks it up again and says, If that's what love is, then some people are worth freezing for. I will cross the streams for you, Mademoiselle Florence. His hands tremble, and he drops it again. Even using his hat as a mitten, the sword is just too cold and inwardly chilling for him to hold on to it for long. Tears well up in her eyes, and she says, You can't. Your neutral alignment won't allow it. Only I can do this. Just kiss me before you go. They share a passionate kiss. And Ganyan whimpers as if waking up to a whole new world that he never knew was right in front of him all along. Xena gives her a deep hug and says, For all those years we played together as little girls, I've loved you and envied you, as only a little sister knows how. Florence, please don't go. You'll freeze. She takes up the sword of Laban with an unshakable resolution in her eyes and says, The cold never bothered me anyway. As the stay-puffed watermelon white rampages toward the last of the beautiful buildings on Thor's base, the Basilica, it pauses before the colossal statue of Thor as if to admire its workmanship for a brief moment. Then it heaves its putrefied chest and belches forth such a tremendous tidal wave of black flame that snow flurries billow out like a mushroom cloud around it. Then it pummels the statue until it collapses. Florence catches up to her foe, just as it lays into the tympanum of the basilica with its right foot. Outraged, she shouts, Nobody steps on the basilica in my city! With that, Florence Kibler's daughter ignites her sword and charges with unflinching courage at the undead giant. The stay-puffed watermelon white turns and wrinkles its hideous face with unmitigated hatred. Out of blind spite, it unthinkingly blows out a concentrated stream of black flame that crosses streams with Florence's flaming blade. Both freeze instantly. A gentle calm blankets the scene. Silence. Clark's voice rings out. He said he always gets to win, but evil always loses in the end. Johnny Appleseed cautions them all. Step back, everyone. It's not over till the flat navel spins. What? From the middle of the frozen watermelon white's belly button, cracks start to appear with a poing. They start spiderwebbing all over his frozen body. The first part to break away is the flat part around its navel. It starts spinning slowly, then faster and faster. Johnny Appleseed looks up and shouts. Run! Run for your lives!